Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Tuesday to you, Golden Eagle fans. Listen across the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. It's the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson flying solo today. Bob out from the First Bank Studios in beautiful downtown Laurel. Happy to have Dalton Stanford producing for us, making his... uh, Button pushing appearance back on the Eagle Hour, Dalton. How's uh, how you been doing, man? Man, I've been uh, I've been doing all right. It's it's great to be back, even if it is just for one day right now. Uh, I know some of our regular Super Talk listeners have probably heard me at least a couple times on our on our evening shows that we do here. I've been taking care of that and getting those taken care of. Uh, but uh, it's good to be back. Good to hear from you again, and uh, you know it's, it's it's great to be back. Yeah, glad to have you, Dalton, producing for us uh, today. Got a good show for you. Kelly Sander, of course, will be joining us later in uh, the show. But the first segment is brought to us every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Literally, I have in my hand right now a yellow Dickie's Barbecue pit cup. I just ate there for lunch, um, and I had the Westerner. You can uh, It's a sandwich. You can get two meats onions, uh, pickles, and cheese on it. It was phenomenal. Had a, a side of uh, macaroni and cheese. Dickie's has some of the best barbecue around. You can find it right around the corner. And you, yes, you can go inside and uh, eat at Dickie's just like I did a few minutes ago. Dickie's Barbecue cooked here, loved everywhere. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Happy to have joining us today uh, the head uh, football coach and athletic director from Laurel High School, Ryan Ernest, who was a teammate of mine at Southern Miss, and uh, Coach Ernest, athletic director Ernest. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Luke. How you doing? Doing good, man. Um, you come back to your alma mater and uh, you were an offensive coordinator for Todd Breland um, last year, and man, in December, um, get the promotion as uh, you know. Todd Todd jukes the whole world, doesn't he? You know, he he makes it seem like he's going to retire, and then it's hard to get the, the the coaching itch out of a legend like Todd, isn't it? Tell me about it. I mean, he, he's been retiring for the last ten years. I mean, I never really took him serious. And even when he told me when it was, we had the serious conversation about you know him um, retiring or moving on, or moving out of football. I wasn't exactly sure that um, he was serious. Again, he's been he's been saying it for the last ten years, and um, but I mean, he did he did some great work here at Laurel, and um, he's definitely going to be missed. And I just you know, if if I can be half as good as I was, um, then I definitely have been a success in this position. I was doing uh, some yard work last night and kind of chuckled out loud, wondering uh, whatever week five or six or whatever it is when. When uh, you take your tornadoes and South and uh, play South Jones, who Todd Breland is now the uh, the coach of, uh, it's always fun whenever a mentor and, and student get together. But December uh, of last year, you're the head coach, uh, named the head coach at Laurel High School, promoted, and then January, man, athletic director, and your first assignment is dealing with a global pandemic. Good luck, Coach Ernest. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, it. It's been a challenge. Um, I, I think it's something that none of us will really. 
um, prepared for. It's something that that's different. Um, it's a likes of which we've never seen. But um, you know, it, it, in this profession, and you know, most athletic directors will tell you, you know, it, this, this is what we do. You know, it's just assessing the problem and and figuring out the best solution. And so that that's what we try to do. We just try to um, to make the best of the situation. It, it, it's really out of our control. So we've just tried to. Um, create an environment where our kids can still be successful both academically and athletically, while at the same time um, making sure that we provide an environment that's as safe as possible. So, again, it, it's definitely been a challenge because this is uncharted territory for all of us. But, um, again, it, it's just part of what we do as athletic directors. You, know, you just try to find a solution or find the best solution um, and operate in the best interest of the kids. And that's what I think some people forget sometimes. Guys in your position, uh, you know, they think well, all that guy does is, is, is coach football. You know, no, actually, he's in charge of the entire athletic uh, program. Just like in, in this case, maybe some of the six case schools, it's different. And, and Laurel has had in the past a different athletic director than the football coach. But Ryan, a lot of guys in your title on the football field, they also are in charge of handling the entire athletic program. Exactly. And, I, and one of the things uh, with that is, you know, you just you have to take that approach that every sport is important. Um, you think about it, um, you have a kid who plays who plays tennis. Um, to that kid and their parent, tennis is the most important sport in that athletic department. And you have to treat it as such. Um, I'm a football coach at heart. Um, that's where my heart lies. But um, my primary objective, is, again, is to run this athletic department as if every sport, no matter you know how much revenue it generates or what the uh, attendance is, we want to operate that sport and we want to run it like it is the most important sport on our campus because it is the most important sport on our campus because that's what's going on right now. You guys have been really transparent um, in the Laurel Athletic Department, your website, laurelschools.org. Um, you've got your entire workout listed, and, and that's the thing you guys were starting back on June the 1st. Kind of let our listeners know because, I mean, there may be some people out there um, that, that don't have a, as big of a plan as you guys have laid out. Uh, walk our listeners through what it looks like at Laurel right now, not just for football, but, but for all sports and what the summer looks like. Well, the, the main thing that we wanted to do, we wanted to um, to create an environment where our kids could come back and begin to um, start making preparations for their um, their respective seasons. Um, the, our first order of business was to um, come up with a plan that um, that created the safest environment that we could possibly provide. Um, and the next thing we wanted to do, we wanted to be able to um, be able to accommodate all of our sports and give everybody you know an equal amount of time to train and um, and prepare for their respective seasons. So, um, and we also wanted to stay within the CDC guidelines and the guidelines that have been set forth by the governor and then those that were governed by under the MHSAA. And so, one of what we did is we we've tried to operate. In, in very, very small groups. What we do is we bring them in at, at different times, um, which, you know, minimizes those large group possibilities. And, um, you know, the, the smaller the groups, um, you know, the less likely we are to potentially spread the um, the coronavirus. So that's what we try to do. We've, um, we have we bring our football team in first thing in the morning just because it's the largest group. And, you know, we want to get that large group out of the way. So what what we did those first 14 days, and those first 14 days were just an opportunity for the kids to get acclimated because, again, they've been out for 10 weeks. And a lot of them have been training, but it's not the same as the structured training that we provide here at the school. And so what we did was we, we bring them in at different groups. We had three different groups coming in. We bring them in about, I don't know, about 25, 26 at a time. 
and we were very, very intentional. We take the temperatures and make sure that, you know, they aren't giving, you know, showing off any symptoms. And then from that 28, we would break them down into even smaller groups and spread them out and, and, and try to, you know, go in stations of about 25 to 26 minutes at a time. Um, anytime they're in a building, we, you know, we encourage them or we actually try to require them to wear masks, again, to minimize the risk of the spread of the virus. We've just tried to be as intentional as possible. And then once the football is over with, we bring in another sport and we kind of do it in, in the same manner. We try to be very, very intentional about maintaining the small group atmosphere. I think, you know, there's a way for us to train our athletes, but we just want to make sure that we're doing it in a manner that minimizes the risk. You know, there's no cure for this virus um, and there's no foolproof way to keep from spreading it. But I think if we can just minimize the risk as much as possible, I think we give ourselves a, a great opportunity to um, help to prevent the spread of the virus. And so, and at the same time, providing our kids an opportunity to train and prepare for their own, their respective sports. And I, I, I give all the credit in the world to our, our higher-level administration, our building-level administration, um, our coaches. Um, we had several uh, Zoom meetings um, to discuss what would be the best plan of action and, you know, they were very, very involved in the planning aspect of it. Um, we've got a, a five-star coaching staff in this athletic department, and this plan doesn't come together without them. And um, I'm, I'm very, very appreciative for their input, for their energy, and just for um, them being so intentional about making sure that every facet of this plan that we put together has been executed to the best of our ability. I guess a, a real important question is how have the kids responded? I, I, I would assume a lot of them just happy to be back, but, I mean, are they understanding the reasons for the protocols and it's been a pretty good attitude from the kids? Oh, it's been great. Um, I, I think they all understand. Um, they understand the seriousness of it, but I think what they understand more, most importantly is that if, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, what type, you know, what's fall ball going to look like, what's school going to look like. I mean, we, those are just questions that we don't have answers to. But I think what they understand is if we're going to have, you know, football in the fall or basketball in the winter, um, the better we are at being intentional about minimizing the risk now, the greater the possibility that or the sooner, the higher probability that we, turn, we return to normal sooner rather than later. And so that's what we try to impress upon them as we've, you know, explain to them the protocol for exactly how we're going about this. Um, and, and they seem to understand we, in our attendance, and I've talked to several coaches across the Pine Belt, um, attendance is, is is through the roof because, again, the kids have been, you know, almost 10 weeks, you know, without very much yeah. to do. And, you know, now if nothing else, they have a few hours they can come here and they and, and they can return to normal or the closest thing to normal. Um since this um, pandemic has hit. So um, our kids have done a great job, and their parents have done a great job. They've gotten them here. Um, we asked them to be here, you know, 15, 20 minutes prior to so that we could take temperatures and, and check for symptoms. Our parents have been great in that regard. Um, they've been really good about getting them off campus once workouts is over. Um, you know, a lot of times in a normal setting, you know, they kind of hey, hang Ryan, around. we're about to hit a commercial break. Let's let's continue on the flip side. More with uh, Laurel High School football coach Ryan Artist right after this on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. 
and online campusbookmark.net. The greatest inventory, whatever you want to call it, selection of Southern Miss apparel you can get at Campus Bookmark. Big gold building right there across from Southern Miss on Hardy Street, whether it's a, a new hat, new shirt, uh, you're, you're rolling into uh, the summer, get you uh, one of those breathable shirts, put, make sure you get it from Campus Bookmark and make sure it's got a Golden Eagle logo stamped on it. Campus Bookmark on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg and online, campusbookmark.net. Luke, uh, today Dalton Stanford producing for us in Hattiesburg, Bob taking the day off. We continue with Laurel High School Athletic Director and football head coach Ryan Ernest, a former Southern Miss Golden Eagle himself. Uh, Ryan, we got interrupted by that commercial break. Uh, just finish that thought about, uh, you know, how your, your players and your parents especially have been doing a great job with this, uh, this new protocol having been implemented because of COVID-19. Yeah, like I said, they, they've just done a really good job of, one, you know, getting the kids here in a timely manner so that we can, you know, do the temperature checks and make sure that, you know, we're checking for those, you know, symptoms that they've made us aware of. And then once practice is over with, you know, in a normal setting, you know, kids like to hang around, and we like for them to be around. But, you know, times being as they are, we kind of try to encourage them to get off campus um, as quickly as possible, mainly because we generally have another group coming in and it can, it'll, it continues to allow us to promote, you know, that small group um, atmosphere that we're trying to, you know, work under right now. So um, hats off to our parents for doing a great job. Hats off to our coaches, our admin. You know, everybody's just, you know, has done a real good job making this plan come together. So thankful to have kids back on campus. Uh, you guys in Laurel High School doing a great job. If people want to see that template, they can go to uh, laurelschools.org, click on athletics, and uh, the, all the workout schedule listed there, uh, and a good plan in place. All right, the, the, the next big question is, um, you lost spring practice. Uh, this is a different, but on a collegiate level, you know, Southern Miss has a new offensive coordinator coming in. Spring gets burned. Uh, with with your team specifically, um, you take over the range. You were there last year, so you know some will change, um, but but for the most part, um, you know it, it'll be kind of in in the same neighborhood. Uh, how how big was it that that high school football missed spring football? And what are maybe some of the ideas being tossed out uh, in the MHSAA world about what fall camp is going to look like? Um. You know, us missing spring, I know for, for some programs, specifically those that, you know, have new coaches, I know it it, it makes it tough. Um, it's not as it, – what is bad for us simply because, again, like you said, there's a ton of carryover. Um, there are some things that are going to be fundamentally different just because, you know, things are different, you know, between me and Ty and our personalities. But for the most part, the nuts and bolts, the foundations here, um, this thing is not broke by any means, and so, you know, we've had a good thing going, and so, you know, we're only going to change just a very few things, and and those are things that can be changed, you know, in face-to-face meetings and, and, and things that we've been able to do um, just outside of spring practice. And so it, it wasn't, you know, while not ideal, it, it wasn't a devastating thing for us, um, but I do know some coaches who are taking over new programs um, that, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge getting everything installed before um, before the fall. Um, as far as fall practice goes, um, it's still a fluid situation as far as the MHSAA goes. Uh, we expect a decision um, at some point in the future, but right now it's just I think they're taking a very, very um, kind of a wait-and-see approach. Um, they're being very, very cautious. Don't want to make any rulings too early, and, and I commend them for that. You know, they're trying to gather as much information as possible. Um, we've got great leadership at the um, at the MHSAA level and Don Hinton 
and I, I feel confident that um, they're going to make the decision that, again, one, promotes the, the safest environment for our athletes and, and gives them an opportunity to participate in the, in the fall if, if that you know, is indeed a possibility. If my research is correct, uh, season opener August 21st against Poplarville, is that correct? Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, that is roughly 66 days away. And one of the things, uh, being part of uh, the radio crew covering uh, your team and, and other Jones County teams, there's been talk that if we're not ready to go, that they might scrap non-region games, push the season back a little. You know, as a, as a coach, as athletic director, where does that kind of, you know, fall in, in your, your thoughts on that? And regards, um, is it possible to have people in the stands on August 21st? Um, I would, uh, personally, from an athletic director and a football standpoint, I, mean, I definitely hate to see that happen. Um, any games get canceled or any games get moved. Uh, number one, because, you know, that those are fewer opportunities for your players and specifically your seniors. And so I'm hoping if, if that is indeed the decision that, um, that they go with, I'm hoping that's the, um, the last or worst case scenario. Um, I think, um, that we'll have an opportunity to play ball in the fall. I think the actual football part of it, I'm hoping is going to be very, very similar to what we're used to. But like you said, I think what's going to be different is, you know, how are we going to deal with the fans? You know, those are all questions that, you know, right now we don't have the answers to, um, I don't know if we'll have them in 66 days, but um, my hope and my prayer is that you know we get to operate our full schedule and that, uh, we get to play every game that's on our schedule and then prayerfully get to play four more um, in the playoffs. And so, um, again, there's just so much uncertainty surrounding this virus. I mean, because it's such uncharted territory. But um, if I had my vote, um, I hope that you know we do everything in our power to make sure that we get a – a full, not just a full football season, but a full volleyball season, a full cross country season. Just give these kids every opportunity that you know that, that we can possibly give them um, to enjoy the high school experience. Yep, for sure. Let's spend the rest of this segment. Let's talk football. Um, you've been the offensive coordinator, obviously. Laurel ran a spread um, before you, before you came back. You guys ran a spread last year. Uh, you got a lot of athletes, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Give us a little June scouting report on what the tornado is going to look like between the bricks this year. Oh, I, again, there'll, there'll be some things that are very very similar. Um, there'll be a few tweaks here and there, just because it's a different year, and we try to. You know, we've been a, you know, quote-unquote spread football team uh, for several years here at Law, but I think one of the things that, that's allowed them to be successful um, prior to me coming here and, and even that I'm back now is we try to build this thing um, around our personnel as opposed to trying to build our personnel around our scheme. And so there'll be some things that are different, but the thing that um, I'm most excited about is, is what we're bringing back. You know, we'll return eight of the 11 starters offensively, and so a lot of the names that you saw last year um, you see again this year. You know, we're really excited um, about Canarius Johnson. He's had a um, really good, he had a really good junior year, and um, has been a hot name in the recruiting recruiting world. Um, has several offers. Um, we're going to move um, Xavier Evans. He's going to transition um, to the featured running back role. I mean, that's something. That's a move we made late last year. Wow. Something that you know we felt really good about. And it's something that we're going to stick with. Um, you know, the last couple of days he committed to Arkansas State. Um, Really excited about that move. I think it stabilizes that position. I think it gives us an identity. Um, 
after we made that move last year, I just felt like we, we were a better football team because, you know, we had an identity. Um, I think that's something that, you know, even though we had success in spots last year, I think that was something that early on in the year we were struggling with, trying to find out, you know, exactly what type of football team we are. But I think making that move gives us an identity because um, he's a very versatile football player. He's not just limited to running the football. He can do a lot of different things. And uh, we're, we're excited about that. We're excited about our offensive line. Um, we'll bring back three of the, yeah. the five of those guys. Talk, talk so, about, if you would, sorry to jump in there on you, but talk about Malik Ellis. I mean, he's a freshman. Uh, he's be a sophomore this year. Huge kid. He's got offers from Southern Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn. Uh, I think Missouri offered him the other day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a stud sophomore up front. Yeah, and, and, and it kind of just came out of nowhere, really. I mean, um, and I told, told a leader call last week, you know, we knew – that you know he had the potential to be a you know SEC caliber football player, but we didn't think it would happen this fast. I mean, it was like you know, I got a phone call about a month ago from Mississippi State. And they wanted to make an offer. They offered him, and I mean, it's like the floodgates have opened. Um, but I tell you what, it couldn't happen to a better kid. Um, Malik Ellis is a is a great kid. He's a great student. Um, he's an A student. Um, works extremely hard in the classroom. Works extremely hard in the football field. Um, just a great kid, you know, and, and that's the thing. You, you want to see things like that happen for great kids like Malik. Um, he puts you in the mind of a Charles Cross, um, long, lanky kid who's got a frame to fill out, and, and he's just scratching the surface on how good he can be. And the thing about it is it's not the physical attributes that um, that make you think he's going to be such a great player because those are natural, those are God-given, but it's just – you know, the, the type of kid that he is, the work ethic, the attention to detail, all those things that a lot of times the kids with that kind of talent, you know, maybe sometimes ignore. But, I mean, he's just so locked into all that kind of stuff. I mean, his grades, uh, his, the weight room, he's, he's just locked in in just about every facet of his game. The sky's the limit for him. And, and, and I'm proud of him and I'm proud for him. And I can't wait to see, you know, what his recruiting is going to look like two or three years from now. Well, just remind him that you played at Southern Miss, okay? Just <laughs> occasionally, just kind of, kind of slip that in there. And uh, I was watching the other night. I was on. Uh, I was finding some old games on on YouTube, and you and I shared that 2003 TCU game. Uh, we knocked off the number nine team in the nation. It didn't get much better than that in ball games, did it, Ryan? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. That's one of the highlights of my career. Unbelievable. Well, man, thanks for uh, your time today, for spending two segments with us. Best of luck to the Tornadoes, and uh, we'll be bringing some of your games live on Super Talk this year. Ryan Ernest, appreciate your time today, bro. All right, thanks, Luke. That's Ryan Ernest, head football coach and athletic director at Laurel High School. Great stuff there from the coach. We'll take a break. Kelly Sander will be right back with us on the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Super Talk on Super Talk, Mississippi. Southern Miss to the top. Greatly appreciate Ryan Ernest spending those first two segments with us. Former teammate of mine for Southern Miss football, now the coach, head football coach and athletic director at Laurel High School. Appreciate his time today on the Eagle Hour. The third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you today and every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just across Highway 49 from Southern Miss, where they serve an 895 daily lunch. Always be sure to check out 
their Facebook page where you can see what the entree and lunch menu is. That eight ninety five lunch always includes a drink. So go check out our friends at Fourth Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. Luke uh, in Laurel today in the First Bank Studios. Dalton Stanford back on the Eagle Hour pushing the right buttons. And he has connected with Kelly John Center, who joins us on the phone now. Kelly, um, talking to Ryan Ernest about some of his playmakers this year. And, you know, you, you see it more and more. We've even jokingly seen, like, seventh graders offered scholarships. But there's an offensive lineman for Laurel High School this year, Malik Ellis, 6'4 kid, huge frame. He's got to beef up a little bit. But how is it, uh, Ryan was telling us, probably 30, 40 days ago, Mississippi State offered, and as soon as Mississippi State offered, here come the offers, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Auburn, Missouri, it's almost like in high school recruiting, everybody's waiting for one pitch to be thrown a kid's way, and then everybody throws everything they've got at him. And, I, and I've and i never been able to figure that out. And if, There's a lot of other sports that that, that same thing. Uh, you can't be everywhere at once. You can't be all things to all people. So a lot, a lot of these coaches, you know, trust each other as far as their opinions go. And so they'll go, well, you know, maybe we didn't see this kid enough, but, but if, they're, if it's good enough for school X, then it's probably good enough for school Y. And lots of times schools will go after a kid, not, not necessarily because they want him, but because they don't want their conference opponent to have him or her, you know, whatever the case may be. So it is, it is the most unexact science I think that's ever been out there is recruiting. Uh, and I don't and, and when you ask the rhyme or the reason for a lot of these coaches, they won't have an answer. I mean, they just won't have an answer. Yeah. So, they'll just say, well, you know, we like him. Well, lots of times they may not have <laughs> even seen him near as much as, as other players. So it's really um, that they want him, but they want, to, they want to keep him away from somebody else. I think that's a lot of it. I think maybe Jeff Bauer felt sorry for me and let me walk on to begin with. And maybe that happens sometimes. There's a pity bone <laughs> that's thrown to, to some people. Um, big news last night, uh, or yesterday afternoon on Twitter. You know, we, we talked about going into the major league draft. Uh, would Southern Miss be affected? Thankfully, um, Gabe Shepard was not taken. And I say that, you know, you're in a conundrum. You, if, if you got a kid on your team that's going to, you know, it's like Matt Warner. You know, you get picked 39th overall, you're going to make a million dollars. Matt Warner, go chase your dreams. But dang it, I wish you would stay around for Southern Miss. So in one way, you're, you're a little disappointed for the kid. Gabe Shepard didn't get drafted in the first five rounds. On the other side, Kelly, you breathe a sigh of relief that he didn't get drafted. But but here's the, the big news. Hunter Stanley appears to be coming back. Uh, we were thinking maybe he would – Signed somewhere, but uh, tweeting last night, uh, get ready for a ride, Baseburg. It's Omaha in 2021. So apparently the Golden Eagles haven't seen anything anywhere else. Apparently the Golden Eagles will probably have their entire weekend rotation and their closer back for 2021. And we talked about the, the $20,000 signing bonus that these free agent guys you know, pick up, which in baseball perspectives is not a lot of money at all. All right, so guys go, well, I could sign the free agent deal, but in some of these cases, they can, you know, if they, if they do get drafted next year, for example, you know, have a, have a good season, then it certainly would upgrade their, their draft status, which would certainly help the financial bottom line. And I think that, that could 
that's what guys are now having to weigh is, okay, if I, you know, in any other circumstances, a free agent deal might be worth a lot more than that, and they would go ahead and take the free agent deal. But now, with just a $20,000 offer, they say, you know, if I go back to school and have a great season next year, man, I'm, you know, the sky's the limit. So um, that, that is a good thing for schools who have, you know, talent coming back. The other thing we talked about is, you know, some of these guys starting to transfer to the JUCOs. I know uh, we talked about Hunter LeBlanc going to Jones and uh, Pearl River uh, picked up a picked up Tate Parker from Dallas Baptist. Uh, the same kind of deal there. Now, in in fairness, Tate Parker is a Mississippi Gulf Coast kid, so he's he's coming you know closer to home. But uh, but there's going to be some shuffling going on at just about every level of, of rosters. For, for baseball the next season based on, on how this draft. And, and, again, it all goes back to our buddy COVID-19 that started all this. So it's, it's rewriting just about every rule book there is. You know, you, you, you talk about that. I was looking up some, some draft uh, value slots. you, you got to think $20,000, maybe like 30th round territory, maybe even a, a little after that. And so – you, you got to think, though, if there was 20 rounds this year, we would have lost a few underclassmen. Montenegro probably goes in the first 20 rounds. I, I, I just I think that's probably going to happen. Shepard, no doubt, is probably gone. Shepard would maybe a seventh or eighth round, not sure about it. Um, but uh, you're, you're, you're thankful in some ways that, that it worked out like this if you're a Southern Miss uh, a baseball guy. It's just really interesting, and I can't blame – if you're Matt Gidry or Walker Powell um, – you really can't blame them for uh, for wanting a shot, and if uh, it if it's better to come back and and try to have one more run, I think that's worth more than twenty thousand uh, dollars to to have your senior season again in Southern Miss Black and Gold. It, unless you've got that diploma in your hand, you know I, it's just it's just been a tough tough thing. And look, nobody said that life would be easy, but man, what a what a rough. Go! It's been for the senior classes of, of just you know the high schools. A lot of them didn't even get to have a, a graduation ceremony. Which, which look, I know there will be people that will say, "Look, that's the only thing that's wrong with your life that you didn't get a high school you know graduation ceremony." Things are going pretty good, but for these baseball guys who had a chance to really show out and and up their draft stock and didn't get that opportunity, you know, on the surface you'd say, "Well, yeah, good. They got another year they can come back." But if, like I said, if they've got their diploma. Then, you know, they got to sit around and, and wait all this time just to play again when they could be, you know, in the marketplace and, um, you know, earning those paychecks, trying to, to pay off those student loans or whatever. So it's a, it's a whole new scenario that these guys have got to deal with. It's unfortunate, but uh, none of us had anything to do, you know, with it. So uh, it is a tough thing to deal with. Let's turn the page to uh, to Major League Baseball, where uh, the commission came out. Uh, what was it last week? And said there was a hundred percent chance that we would have a twenty twenty season. Hundred percent, and those are fateful words, probably that he will never be able to uh, forget or anyone else either. Uh, you know, yesterday uh, the players uh, released a statement. Mike Trout tweeted it out again today. Players are disgusted that Rob Manfred unequivocally told players and fans there would be a hundred percent. A 2020 season, he has decided to go back on his word and is now threatening to cancel the entire season. And we have seen this over and over and over again the last 24 hours, 48 hours on Twitter and social media. So many uh, baseball players have just said, tell us when and where, 
and will show up. And, and we've gone through this, Kelly, but it's important to realize there was an agreement in place. There, there really was. And the players agreed to a certain amount. And then it seemed like the owners walked it back and the owners are looking at where, where's the, the balance come where the owners could say, we would rather not have a season than have a season and lose money? Well, because it's, it's all the guys with all the money that are going to make those decisions, we'll never know, Luke. But I, I think from a, from a fan standpoint, um, if they don't have a season, it's going to take longer for them to recoup finances than, than usual because what, what will happen, the, the thinking is, if people get used to not having baseball at the major league level, the more people will go, you know what, I, you know, I didn't die. The world didn't end. The sky what didn't fall. Um, so fans would, you know, more likely turn away from baseball than if there, than if there was a season. Um, but you're correct in your assessment. The players have said, look, we, we have a deal. We signed it. We're ready to live up to our end of the agreement. It's, it's you, the owners, that are trying to put the blame on us. And we as players have already signed the deal. So, there's, we're not unsigning it. We've told you that the other proposals you put forth are, are not good. We've, we're, we're ready to go, essentially, is what the players have said, but under the deal that they signed. So now the impetus is on the owners. We'll just have to wait and see. But from, clearly, from pure... in the next... Go ahead. I was just going to say, in the next couple of weeks, they've got to do something because they're running out of time. The sand and the hourglass is getting pretty thin. From a pure optics standpoint, the players right now have all the leverage because every fan in the world is looking at this. The average uh, Joe Blow that doesn't look into all the details, he's seeing the players say, hey, we're ready to go. Let's go. Let's play. And from a purely optics standpoint, I think now, whereas maybe a little earlier People could say, "Oh, these millionaires! You know, look at them. They're uh, they're mad about their their salary." I think now public perception is surely and totally in the players' standpoint, and uh, I think that's you know maybe why we see the united front. And they you know they, they want to play the game. Uh, let's take a commercial break, and uh, we'll be back with uh, Kelly Sander for the fourth segment, of Eagle Hour. Stick with us on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Who we calling, Dalton? Hopefully nobody. I think we may have lost Kelly there. We lost Kelly. Oh, no. Well, I'll get him back. I'll do the ad and you get him back. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. If you're thinking of buying a new hey. vehicle, Toyota Hattiesburg is the place to go. SUV, get a forerunner. If you want a truck, Tundra or Tacoma, or uh, one of America's best-selling cars, the Camry and the Corolla, Toyota of Hattiesburg can help you with all that. You can also go online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Search their entire inventory, new, 
uh, pre-owned certified vehicles, and they can help you with your next ride. Toyota Hattiesburg, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. It is June 16th. And uh, Luke is in Laurel. Dalton is in Hattiesburg. Bob out today. We'll be back tomorrow. Kelly, June 16th is National Fudge Day. What is your favorite type of fudge? Uh, Anything that's free. And, you know, any, any type of, it can have nuts in it. It doesn't have to have nuts in, nuts in it, whatever. But as long as I'm not paying for it, it's my favorite time. Oh, okay. Uh, I like fudge. The, uh, the butcher shop here in downtown Laurel, the night butcher, he has different types of fudge. He has butterfinger fudge. He has peanut butter fudge. He has caramel fudge. Oh, he even has, like, red velvet cake fudge. So if you're out there today and want to burn a couple calories, uh, get you some fudge. All right. Um, the Buccaneers have released pictures. This is, I don't know why I'm making a big deal about this, especially as a Saints fan. But apparently, Tom Brady uh, went and did a, a little dress up in his jersey. And Kelly, it's pretty awkward to see pictures of Brady in anything other than the Patriots. But there, there's four pictures they put up on the official Tampa Bay Buccaneers Twitter profile. Uh, this is really funny because it's just him in a helmet. Then it's him uh, apparently changing a play at the line of scrimmage, him in a different jersey uh, attempting to pass, and just kind of a shadow profile from the back. But I'll tell you what, it looks really weird to see Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. Part of the reason they're probably releasing that now is in order to pay his exorbitant salary, they're, they're going to have to sell some of those. You know, in the NFL shop or online or, or however you get them. You know, it's like when, when Brett Favre went and played for the Jets and even the Vikings then. It was just so weird to look out there and, and see them in any other uniform. And I remember what, the first time that, that kind of hit me was when Joe Montana, the great quarterback for the 49ers, you know, ended his career, I think, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And you're out there looking at him. And he just, you know, he didn't look, he didn't look comfortable behind that team. He, he didn't look comfortable in that uniform. At least that's that was kind of the way you you read it. But uh, it's all about marketing now. So the quicker they can get those Brady uniforms out there, the more people can can snatch them up and and buy them. Luke, can I just finish up on one point on the Major League Baseball yeah. thing? You know, the, the players are saying, and, and like you said, the the fans now kind of side with the players. But and I, and look, I'm not I'm not siding with the owners or the players. But I'm just saying the owners say yes, we did have a deal. We appreciate the fact that you're willing to live by that deal, but the circumstances have changed in that the owners said, you know, essentially what they're saying now is we thought we were going to be able to have fans. You know, we weren't sure what this virus was going to bring, so that deal was based on being able to have fans in the ballpark. Well, now that we can't have fans in the ballpark, we need to rethink this thing because the players have nothing to lose. I mean, if they play a fourth of the games... You know, their deal was they'd get a fourth of their salary. But that's if fans were coming. So the owners are, are arguing, look, we've got all money going out, but nothing coming in. So that's their rationale. And, again, I'm not for the players or the owners necessarily. I'm just saying that's, that's where the owners are coming from. So I just wanted to, to underscore that a little bit to fill in those blanks. I get it. And I don't think that the commissioner makes it out of this. I mean, if they don't have a 2020 season, he's not commissioner next year, don't you think? And he kind of, you know, he was the next guy in line. And I think lots of times organizations get into uh, into this this habit of well, who, whoever is next up, you know, and and that doesn't that it takes a leader to be in the number one spot. 
you know, whether you're, and a lot of guys could be two or three guys, um, not mentioning any names, but there are some guys that can be defensive coordinators that make terrible head coaches. Um, so you shouldn't, you shouldn't just get it based on that. And I think that's, and I think Manfred is not the leader that, that some of his predecessors have been. And I think that's coming to fruition here. I think people are seeing that now that he's under the microscope. How long did, uh, did Bud Selig do it? He was there a long, a long time. And, and you know, a, a real interesting uh, trivia question is the, the actor that's won all the, the uh, Golden Globes for uh, Paul Giamatti, you know, kind of that odd-looking, um, he was in Liar, Liar, and in Private Parts, and he's done, you know, Sideways. He's done a lot of different movies. But his dad was Eric Giamatti, the former Major League Baseball Commissioner, um, yeah. I, I don't know that there's ever that that's ever happened that a baseball commissioner has had a son or daughter that's gone on to acting prominence. But again, some more of that Santa useless trivia that you can do with what you like. Seelig was uh, commissioner for about 17 years. He actually was an acting commissioner for uh, six years before that, so 23 years total. Yeah, we we miss him on the job. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, they will. They pull it off or decide just to burn it down. Kelly, appreciate you being on today. Thanks for listening in. Bob will be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. We'll talk Southern Miss on the Eagle Hour. And as always, Southern Miss. To the the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.